notes to start, but let's start in uh, Psalm chapter uh, 62, 63, I mean, Psalm chapter 63. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, oh God, you are my God. Verse one, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Right? I'm hungry for you. I want more of you. My soul is thirsting for you. My flesh is even longing for you. My flesh is even affected. I want you, Lord, and I want more of you. You know, Paul, wow, what a man of God. Paul was walking on the road and all of a sudden, and on that road he was walking on, it was a physical road that he was walking on, but while he's walking on that road, that ro- road really represented what he was doing with his life. And he was like, he was like the most, uh, one of the most zealous religious people. Not a believer, but a religious person, a person of methods and religion and systems and uh, works. And uh, he was even like standing uh, when they were uh, stoning Stephen. He was standing like holding the the coats and the clothes and stuff. And so he's walking on this road. And while he's walking on this road, you know, his name wasn't even Paul. His name was Saul. And when Saul's walking on this road, all of a sudden he had an encounter with the glory of God. Like the glory of God hit him. And when that glory hit him, he didn't go blind because he had eye problems. He said, I couldn't see for the glory of that light. Like when the glory hit him, uh, when the glory hit Paul, it blinded him in such a way that he could no longer walk the road he was walking. He could no longer go, continue to go the way he was going. And actually, the, the glory, when the glory hit Paul, it came with such revelation, such light, and such understanding that Paul said, you know, what is it, Lord? He actually called upon the Lordship of Jesus Christ in the midst of the glory when he was just going about his regular life, right? So you are qualified for the glory of God, right? You don't have to be like some, uh, you know, great spiritual man or woman, young or old, like, well, I I just, I pray so much, I do all this, I do all that. Well, everything that Paul did was for nothing. He thought what he was doing was the right direction. But man, when God got a hold of him and he responded, he didn't respond to curse the Lord. He's like, Lord. And so, uh, you know, then the Lord told him some of the things he was going to have to carry and that there was going to be suffering in some of that carrying what he was going to have to carry because of such glory and such revelation. Okay, so I didn't even get to verse 2. So verse 2, he says to see your power and your glory. So as I have seen you in the sanctuary. Right? So David had seen the power of God and the glory of God in the sanctuary of God. Right? But he said, I want to see your power and your glory out here among the people. Right? And so that's, that is, that is David's prayer. And that is our prayer. And that is the prayer of our church this year. Uh, Exodus, uh, what is that? 3318. Lord, show us your glory. Right? Show us your glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Right? So we've got Christ in us and he is the hope of glory. In other words, he is our confident expectation of glory. And because he lives on the inside, like we talked about last week, 
our lives, the, the plan of God for your life and for my life is that we go from one glory to another glory, and Christ in us is the hope of that glory, right? Uh, I can't make an experience with the glory happen, but I can position myself in a way to reach out to God and make myself available and put a demand on the glory of God, and God will show up. And this is the year of the glory of God. And so this is the year to get in. Like somebody has jumped in the water and tested and said, it is fine, baby, get in, right? So get in the water, uh, you know, what did they say? Uh, there's that old song Pastor Trina used to sing. I stepped in the water. The water was cold. It chilled my body, but it thrilled my soul. <laughs> right? Hey, Amen. I like that song. And um, so uh, to see your power and your glory, so as I have seen you in the sanctuary. Glory to God. Smith Wigglesworth said, if you want to have a move of God or a move of the Spirit of God in your life, you've got to be prepared for some extravagancies. What does that mean? Do you, when's the last time you said extravagancies? I think I'm saying it wrong. Extravagancies. It depends if you're from the north or the south or wherever you're from. I was watching a show earlier this week about some people from Maine. And wow, they have a strong accent. I didn't realize how strong of an accent the people from Maine have. And uh, so they'd probably say even a little different. But you, if you want the move of the Holy Spirit, you have to be prepared for some extravagancies. And that means there may be some things going on uh, that you have never seen before and you have never experienced before. And they may make your flesh just a little uncomfortable, right? Just a little uncomfortable. And so uh, I know uh, I mentioned last week about an experience that I had recently with the glory of the Lord. And I was in, um, you know, a house with a little bit of construction. Some people would call it a lot. Um, but anyhow, uh, so we were doing, uh, reading the word and praying together with the kids in the boys room. All of us went in there. Um, and so, uh, we're in there and, uh, I, I was reading the word and whoa, just the glory of God hit. And when that glory hit, I, I kind of lost control of my emotions and I kind of lost control of my tongue. And I was really having challenge, uh, speaking and uh i in the glory when that glory hit i saw right like so so when the glory hit saul who later became paul because when you have experiences with the glory of god you're changed so like um by the spirit of the lord Right. So let's let's just go over that uh, to that scripture real quick. And um, second Corinthians, chapter three, verse 18, second Corinthians three, 18. And because uh, I, I know I quote a lot of stuff, but it's really important to let your own eyes look on the scriptures. Some people, I don't know when it's your own Bible. It's very personal. Uh, verse 17, let's start. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty or there's freedom. So you've got to be prepared for some extravagant things to happen when God moves. Uh, some things that you might not be expecting and some things that you might not feel as dignified about. Uh, 
But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is such freedom. So you're really not, um, where you're yielded to the Spirit of the Lord, you're, you're really most conscious of Him more than other things. And so, uh, you know, man, I remember years ago, I think it was back I lived in Michigan, maybe when I first moved to Michigan, I just remember driving in Michigan. And uh, I was in the car with Melody. I don't even remember if we had kids at that point. We're driving. And uh, there was a situation with uh, some people that uh, I really cared what they thought. And the Lord spoke to me in my heart and said, you really care what they think? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, you don't, who wants to be not liked by people or all this type of stuff? And uh, he said, well, do you care more what they think or what I think? And I said, well, that's a good point. Um, I care more what you think. And he said, well, you're not acting like it. And I'm like, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> and so I realized I thought I cared more what God thought than what anybody else thought. I would have told you that if you asked me. A good, uh, what we used to call in my church growing up, a Sunday school answer. <laughs> But I realized, no, that's not really how I was living. And those weren't my actions. And so I said, Lord, forgive me. Uh, I need your help because if I'm honest with you right now, and why would I lie to you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> just because it made me feel better. Okay. And so I'm like, because uh, I really do care more about what they think about it. And I said, but. Really, in my heart, I care more about you, what you think. So you got to like change me, right? So then, uh, so then uh, th there was a change. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so in that freedom, you really care most about what God thinks and what God says. You're not so people conscious. You know, the Lord told Jeremiah, I'll deliver you from the people. Right? He said, I'll send you to the people after I deliver you from the people. So I'm going to deliver you from the people so that I can send you to the people. Right? So if you're not delivered from the people, you got a problem because you're going to be a people pleaser. And uh, uh, I like to please people as long as I've pleased God first and the people are pleased by what pleases God. But I have found out that generally a large crowds of people are not always pleased by what God is pleased by. <laughs> and so uh, I'd rather please the Lord. And uh, boy... He is good. He takes care of you. He knows, he knows everything about you. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Verse 18. But we all with open face. I love that. With open face. We're not hidden. We're not like cowering. We're not unaware. We all with open face beholding as in a glass or literally it means in a mirror. The glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord, even as by the Spirit of the Lord, or margin says, even of the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, this is a work of the Spirit of God. So this is what happened to Paul. But this is what was happening to me in my kid's bedroom. And I was like, whoa. And I began to see a particular scripture where the Lord had uh, lifted off of us all of this all of this old life he like he, he he lifted us off and when i saw it i saw it in the glory and uh i want to try to describe that for you here in the next few minutes and so what happened as a result is there was a change like it uh it marked me and it changed me 
And, uh, you know, the glory of the Lord is uh, present. The glory of the Lord is present to set you free. The glory of the Lord is present to heal you. Right? And so, uh, in the glory of the Lord, we find out, you know, even Jesus Himself was raised from the dead by the glory of God, which was the Spirit of God. So He's the Spirit of glory. When the glory of the Lord shows up, uh, light shows up. So light and understanding, revelation, you begin to see and to know. And uh, when you begin to see and to know, boy, uh, you get set free. And I think one of the greatest things you get set free from is yourself. And uh, you, you just start to realize, so I'm, I am seeing this, and all of a sudden it's like, I just start crying. And uh, I'm like, really just, I've, I've lost control of my emotions and my you know, tear ducts, like, I, eyes are fun. Water is streaming down. And I'm just like, oh, and I can hardly speak because of this experience and because of what I saw in this experience. And so uh, now would be a good time for me to tell you a little bit of the definition of the word glory. Okay, so this is from um, William Wilson and also... Um, uh, you know, I have that 10-volume dictionary of the New Testament. Well, they have an Old Testament version. And it's, I don't even remember how many volumes. I think it's like 20. And so um, my Hebrew is not as good as my Greek, and neither is that amazing. But I'm learning. And uh, so uh, this is also reflected in that. It's, it's, I call it the T-D-O-T uh, is what it stands for. But I don't remember what the exact. That's the letters that stand for something, and I don't remember what the actual name is. Okay, so in this it says that the glory of God is the wealth it means wealth numbers commerce power wisdom promotion superiority dignity authority nobility splendor valor magnificence extraordinary privileges and advantages why are we talking about this because the plan of god christ in you is the hope of glory in your life that you could go from one glory to another glory, even as by the Spirit of God. That is the will of God for every believer. Uh, the will of God for every believer is that really you are so thrilled with who God is and what He has done and how merciful and faithful He is that you have trouble sleeping because you're so thrilled. Right? That you, you have trouble kind of getting other stuff done because you're so thrilled with the Word and you're so preoccupied with the Word that you're just so full of Him and His Word and it's so real to you that you just are kind of beside yourself, right? And so um, the, the glory of God, the wealth of God, it actually says um, it's something of weight. It's a weighty thing, uh, considerable weight. It is respectable. Whatever um, is a stance or a badge of greatness, of excellency, or of happiness, it renders a person praiseworthy or commands esteem or veneration. This is honor and glory. Honor, respect, the uh, attribute of the high status of a person. What is valued and abundant. Right? What is valued and abundant. 
very extensive wealth and possessions, right? Well, you remember in Luke, Jesus said, talking about, you know, you can't serve God and money. You're going to be faithful to one, unfaithful to the other, going to love one, hate the other. You're going to cling to one and push the other way, despise it, right? And so um, uh, he said, this is really like a test uh, whether you can receive the true riches, right? True riches. So the glory of God would re could uh, represent and would also represent even natural, uh, showing up in the natural would be like financial abundance and wealth. But I want to take us like a little deeper than that. And I want to take you to like the true riches, right? So these true riches set you free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so when you, when you um, come into the glory of God like this, or the glory of God comes into you and upon you, all of a sudden, you know, I don't know what that song is, but the things of earth uh, grow strangely dim, right? Like, in other words, the, your reliance and the, what you value of people's opinions, of your status financially in life, of your position with possessions in life, you're just like, oh, I don't even care. Because look at the true riches that God is giving me and showing me. And on top of that, if I know Him, that's coming. Because I'm seeking Him first, His kingdom and His righteousness. So that is not my ultimate goal and that is my, not my ultimate thing. And so... When you talk about the glory of God and all of these uh, wonderful words that these dictionaries um, put forth to describe, when, when you receive light from God concerning His Word and concerning His Word in your life situation at the moment, something happens. It is, it is a word that is uh, so wealthy and such extensive possession that he is giving to you that you are like, I am undone. You know, I'm a man of unclean lips uh, uh, compared to the holy God, right? Well, we are the righteousness of God in Christ, and he's made us holy in our union with him. But when he starts to show you this majestic this royal, this highly esteemed um, part of himself. Like he's sharing with us part of who he is. And, and you, in that, in that presence of the Lord, in that glory, you begin to see. And, and for me, in that particular experience... Um, I ran out of, I had no words. I had no, I, I, I kind of lost control of myself, like responding. I'm like, Lord, oh, this is a lot. This is heavy. This is majestic. This is wealthy. This is spectacular. This is noble. This has great authority. This is extraordinary. This is advantageous. And, and so uh, the Lord really put it on my heart after I began to have some of these experiences like this this year. And I've had, I've had these uh, before, but this is in a different way. And uh, um, 
especially this year concerning the revelation of the word. And uh, in that revelation, you're so changed that you just like want everybody to have this, right? So then you, 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 you see how, you know, remember where Jesus said like the Jews are always seeking for a sign, <laughs> right? Well, I read that and I thought, well, I would like to see a sign. <laughs> I would like to see some miracles. I would like to see some water parted. I would like to see some arms grow out. You know, I've seen some miracles, but I'd like to see some spectacular miracles. And I thought, you know, hmm. Well, then I found out I'm Jewish. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I did find that out. <laughs> Not really Jewish, just partly Jewish. Um, uh, but I thought, you know, it's amazing how he's like, you know, a faithless generation is seeking for a sign. You don't really need a sign. Like, I'm coming, I'm speaking to you, believe me. And, um, and so, so many times I think our flesh is hungry for something spectacular. And uh, I think uh, you, you see like um, moves of God when there are spectacular things that show up in natural. We call it manifest, right? And uh, so many people stumble over those things. And uh, they, they get distracted by, you know, in this case, the glory, the cloud of glory. And uh, boy, I mean, there is so much in the word concerning the glory of God and the glory of God showing up in a cloud in the tent of meeting. They couldn't even enter the tent where they would meet uh, with God and meet together to meet with God because the glory of the Lord shone round about the tent and they couldn't enter because of the glory of the Lord. And then another time when the priest couldn't even stand up because of the glory of the Lord and uh, the great splendor and Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration in Luke chapter 7. Jesus is there and Peter's there and all of a sudden Peter's saying what he saw and he's like all of a sudden this cloud overshadowed us and came upon us and it was such glory and such splendor and Peter's like can we just build a house here and live here forever like this is where we want to live well this is the glory of God and when you when you um, experience his glory you're like I just want to live here uh, I don't want to go anywhere else, do anything else. I just, want to, I, I just want to live here because it's so glorious. And so sometimes you hear young people say, well, like, well, will I really enjoy heaven? I, the thought of wearing a white robe and sitting on a cloud is not that exciting to me. And I'm kind of like, well, first of all, that's not really uh, a Bible picture. <laughs> that's like a cartoonist picture or something like that. But second of all, oh, man, uh, the, the things of God, when you start to see what how he sees and what he shows and reveals to you. Well, you're like, I am undone. I'm finished. Uh, I can't even process anymore because it's so good and so true. And what happens is the spirit of God, when the glory of God comes upon you, um, things happen. Things are created. Uh, you know, the angel told Mary and the glory of God shall come, <clears throat> come upon you and shall overshadow you. Right. And then even even the announcement of Christ's coming to the shepherds, you know, the glory of God shone round about them. Uh, in other words, so sometimes you see the glory emanating from a place, but they were in the center of that place where the glory was 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 being spread out. And so uh, the glory of the Lord is is wonderful, is, is magnificent. I was um, I remember uh, in uh, 1999, 
when I first started to learn some things concerning, uh, man, the move of God, the move of the Spirit, and I was uh, uh, watching a uh, meeting live with uh, Kenneth Hagin, and uh, he was ministering, and man, the glory of God came into that meeting. This is before I started traveling with him and everything, and first meeting I traveled with him with was Denver, Colorado, and 2001, and man, the glory of God came in that meeting too. Just amazing, and uh, different uh, manifestations, different extravagancies, you might call it, uh, uh, happened. But uh, I remember this one particular, my first experience with it, and uh, I was just watching on a live stream, and yes, they actually had that 1999. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about it today, and I thought, well, I'm, I'm, how could we do that back in 1999? I mean, that was that was really difficult. And uh, but. I remember because I was working, so I couldn't be there, and it was in a different state. And so uh, that glory of God hit that place, but it didn't just hit that place. It hit where I was at work. And when the glory hit, like something changed me, and I still like carry that with me to this day. I can go back to that place in my heart, right? Well, there is a church at the same time, same meeting. It was the last night of the meeting, and, and there was a church in Kansas City. I don't remember the pastor's name right now. I'll probably come back in a second. But, and in that meeting, they are watching. It was a satellite linked up meeting and also apparently some streaming. And so uh, that church, uh, the pastor, all of a sudden, they're, they're joining the meeting. And all of a sudden, he hears all these sirens, and he goes outside to see what is going on. And the fire department's there, and they're all there, and they're like, you know, uh, your building's on fire, your building's on fire. He's like, the building is not on fire. And they're like, there is smoke billowing out. We pulled up and there was all this smoke coming out, right? And so it was the, it was, uh, the glory of God. They checked it out and they're like, they, and the, the pastor said, well, this is the glory of the Lord. And they're like, well, it must be because there's no fire. I don't know what it's coming from. And they had another meeting. There was a, another, uh, you know, one of our affiliations were Rama Church, and so there's another Rama Church, and they, uh, uh, not in a satellite meeting, but they were just having some meetings with the glory of God, and uh, they, uh, congregation, the congregation saw it. They look up, and the whole ceiling has got flames of fire just rolling on the ceiling, all over the whole ceiling. And so the pastor was a little concerned, and so he called uh, Brother Hagin and said, Hey, um, we got this problem here. And, uh, uh, you know, we don't want to be like uh, extreme and kind of off or anything like that. He's like, oh, he's like, oh. he's like, no, I've seen that before. It's, you know, it's very common, those type of things at different places, different times. And so I'm um, not shouldn't say very common, but it's not uncommon when you have a move of God. Right. And so but the reason I say those is to get you distracted. No, because a lot of times you might hear situations like that and then you're like, OK, Lord, I'm going to see the glory. Show me your glory. I want to see the cloud. I want to see the fire. Well, sure, I like to see that too, right? But what is happening? Why is that showing up? Just when I was watching online, right, uh, in 1999, I was changed by the glory of God. There was an adjustment made in my heart just by experiencing the glory of God. Now, when when I experienced that glory... I didn't see a cloud in my office. I mean, there could have been one above it. I have no idea. And frankly, I kind of don't care. Right. It'd be cool to know. like, oh yeah, there's a... But I guarantee you, if the other day there was a cloud or fire from our roof, 
Well, that would be a cool testimony to tell, and it'd probably be hard not to just tell that part of the testimony, uh, except for what happened to me and in me was so much greater than any physical manifestation that you could see, right? And so uh, there are things that happen in the glory of God that don't happen when you're not in the glory of God. So this is a year of the uh, manifestation and demonstration of the glory of God. And this is your year to experience the glory of God. Now, where are we at? Praise the Lord. I did it again. Hallelujah. Does anybody know how long I've been speaking? I have no idea how long I'm speaking. Praise the Lord. But um, that's what I did again. So let's, let's finish up with 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, unless the Lord leads us a different direction, we'll just finish right there. Remember I talked about last week uh, when we were driving home from Tennessee, then, um, man, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 just, just man, came so alive to me. And um, spiritual experience, so it doesn't ever grow old. He said, for our rejoicing is, is this. I'm in chapter 1 now. The testimony of our conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity and not with fleshly wisdom, <laughs> but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly towards you. In other words, in the world, our, our whole lifestyle, like amongst the world, amongst non-believers, and even more so towards you believers at Corinth. Right, that we have had um, uh, our manner of life. So he said, for our rejoicing is this. This is what's causing us to jump up, spin around with exuberant joy, that this was not of us, this was of God. That, that uh, you know, Paul found out what he could do. Even before verse 8, 9, 10, and 11, Paul was Saul on the road to Damascus and he was doing, excelling above all of his peers, right? And he is, he is like more zealous than all of them. He is like a go-getter. I'm going after it. I'm doing it. We're doing this. And he realized all of this is worthless. My greatest effort doesn't mean enough. Didn't do enough. It actually pulled me away from God rather than bringing me to God because the way you come to God is through the greatest effort possible and the greatest effort possible was the act of faith that Jesus himself did when he brought himself and gave himself on the cross to set us free. So the greatest effort has already been exerted. And that greatest effort was God raising him from the dead by the glory of God, right? And so uh, Paul, in the Damascus Road experience, he began to experience this and he saw Jesus as Lord, right? So when he saw Jesus as Lord, well, so he's saying like, you know, um, I don't want you to be ignorant of the trouble that came upon us when we were in Asia. We were pressed out of measure, above strength. In other words, beyond our strength. We, we used up all of our strength. We were above that. In so much that we despaired even of life. We're like, I wish I was dead or we're going to die. We can't handle this. This is too much for us. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from, from so great a death and does 
does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will deliver us, yet also helping together by prayer for us that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given uh, by many on our behalf. So then when I was reading this, I saw this and I'm like, he's like, we were just like done. We went, we ran out of strength. And even beyond that, we're like, we're going to die. This is it. And he said, for our rejoicing is this. And I thought that is a really odd place to say our rejoicing. Why would you talk about jumping up, spinning around with exuberant joy in the midst of this? He said, because what you see me live, what you see me do, this holiness, the way I live among the world and especially among you, this was not from me. This is from the power of God. Okay, so chapter 11 and chapter 12, chapter 11, verse 30 says, if I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my inabilities or my infirmities. Uh, verse 5 of chapter 12, of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory. And that one he's talking about is it was actually his spirit in union with God where he had an experience and revelation came. And he's like, this was not because of me. This wasn't even like it was me. It was, I saw this. I knew a man in Christ, whether in the body or out of the body. I don't even know. I wasn't even aware of these natural things. I was just aware of this glory. Yeah. Right? And then verse 10. Well, verse, verse 9 and 10. I better read verse 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. This is talking about the thorn in the flesh. Um, so he wouldn't be exalted above measure. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect or comes to completion or comes to maturity in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. All right. Now, let me read you this in um, the, the uh, actual literal interlinear. Verse 9. And he said to me, uh, sufficient for you is my grace for the power of me. This is God speaking in weakness is perfected. Most gladly, therefore, rather will I boast in my weaknesses that uh, may dwell upon me the power of Christ. Right? So that the power of Christ may dwell upon me. I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. Yeah, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. But look what God did. Right? I despaired even of life. I ran out of strength. <laughs> but this is my rejoicing. Look what God did. So that all, everything you see, all the good things, all the blessing, all the words that have touched you, my voice spoke those to you. My hand penned those to you. But those words came from God because I, I, I was done. I was finished. I was completed. Uh, I couldn't do anymore. Uh, I was uh, like defeated in my flesh. I realized, whoa, I can't do this. And that was the best day of my life. I began to rejoice. I'm like, well, if I can't do it when, when I'm weak, that's when I become strong. Why does that mean? That's when the strength of God becomes manifest in my life and strong towards me so that I am not approaching him by my knowledge, by my prayer 
life by my memorization of the word, by my reading of the word, but is it's the second that I realize, God, look what you did. Look what you said. I heard what you said. You are awesome. I, I believe what you said, right? And I'm coming by what you said. All right, verse 10 in, in, the, in this uh, detailed one here. Where, uh, whereof I take in weakness, in insults, in necessities, in persecution, in straits. I think this added little letters that shouldn't be there. Where I take in, uh, oh, there it is. Whereof I take pleasure in weaknesses, in insults, in necessities, in persecutions, and in straits. All right, let me just take a short rabbit trail. For those of you that the devil is talking to you about Paul's thorn in the flesh being a sickness or a disease, this is like an interlinear translation that is literally saying word for word what the scripture says in the original Greek, okay? And um, what it says is, he's talking about these, like the thorn in the flesh is given to me, I take pleasure in my weaknesses, and he said, therefore I take pleasure in these, and he lists what they are. Insults, necessities, persecution, uh, in straits. In other words, all these things coming upon him, it's not sickness and disease. It's the, you know, the, the persecution for preaching the gospel. It's the insults for preaching the gospel. It's the weakness, like the weakness that he's like, I can't do this in my own strength, right? So that, that is, if you're trying to live in your own strength and that's the only way you know to live, that can be a real challenge. But Paul's like, <laughs> I found out how to, how to get free from that. And then he says right here, for, um, for Christ, for when I be weak, then powerful I am. When I be weak, then powerful I am. I'm saying it backwards on purpose like that. Hopefully you'll hear it a different way and actually listen with your spirit and uh, be changed by the glory of God, right? For when I'm weak, then I'm powerful, right? Uh, there is power in my weakness. There is power in my laying aside my own strength and my own abilities and put off those clothes and put on some new garments or some new clothes that were tailored by God to fit you perfectly. And those clothes, you'll, you're clothed like, do you remember like you could actually be clothed in the glory of God, right? And so these new clothes that God has for you, you only find those when you set aside your old clothes and when you grab hold of his new clothes, then actually uh, your whole perspective changes. Yeah. I mean, you know what happens if you get like some new clothes and you put them on and stuff like that. You're like, oh, this feels pretty good. And especially if they actually fit. And, uh, you know, for years I was so skinny that pretty much nothing would fit. Now I've enlarged a little bit. And so it's a little bit easier. Uh, but still, it doesn't fit perfect. But it's nice to have something new. You got something new. You're like, this feels good. But boy, when you put on the clothes that God has tailored for you uh, in the glory of God, you're like, that's perfect. And so when the, when the Spirit of God comes and the glory of God comes, He is the Spirit that takes the things of God in Christ and makes them real to you in your life. 
So when he speaks to you and you experience the glory, you see the word and you see God himself and his presence different than you've ever seen it. And when you see it that way, it is more real to you than everything around you. And it is more glorious. In other words, it is more valuable. It is more magnificent. There is more splendor in it. There is more happiness in it. There is more joy in it. There is more pleasure in it. And you are changed from one glory to another glory by God's Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Well, if you're watching today and uh, you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, I want to invite you today, come back to God. Let God come into your life. Invite Him into your life. He's not going to force His way in, but He loves you, and He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, that you could have this glorious experience and go from one glory to another glory, that you're, you're, you're so filled with the life of God and the knowledge of the Lord. The Bible actually says that the knowledge of the Lord will cover the, uh, excuse me, the glory of the Lord, knowledge of the glory of the Lord, there we go, will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so uh, you can know God personally. You don't have to be uh, a minister. You don't have to have uh, grown up in a Christian home. God knows what's happening in your life. In fact, Jesus said, I didn't come for the holy people or the righteous people or the religious people. Uh, I came for those that need a doctor. Yeah. I came for those that are down and out. I came from those, for those that know they need a change in their life. Yeah. So Jesus came for you and he came for me. But you must respond to Him. His Spirit right now is speaking to your heart. And I'm asking you to respond from your heart to His Spirit because you don't believe with your head. You don't reason these things out like, let's analyze this and see this and see that. No, you respond from your heart. And where He will speak to you is in your heart. So I want you right now just to look to your heart. You might say, how do I look to my heart? Well, one of the best ways I know is it's the place that you forgive someone when you really mean it. When you, when you really say, you know what, I know you did me wrong. I'm going to release you from that. I'm not going to hold that against you. you got to do that from your heart. And that's the same place that you trust God from. Jesus died on the cross to take away the sins of all humanity. And God raised him from the dead so that we could become right with God. That we wouldn't be those that are always doing things wrong and living under the cloud of that, the dark cloud of those wrong actions and that wrong heart. But that he would actually take a stony heart out and give us a heart that's pliable, a heart where he can live on the inside. And then when you just believe that, and then you just, from that place of belief, and believing that from that reality that God's Spirit shows you, then you just say, you know what, Jesus, I receive you right now as my Lord, as my Savior. I want you to be the King of my life. I'm not going to try to be the King anymore. I'm not going to try to do my own thing. I want to do your will. I want your plan. I want your purpose. I, I, I've seen the direction of my life. I've seen the results that I have gotten. And I, I, I do not want, I do not want to turn out that way. I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to spend eternity in hell. I don't want to spend eternity away from you. I want to spend eternity with you. And I want to spend the rest of my life on the earth telling other people about you, living my life to please you, being an example of what you can do in a man or a woman. 
If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer that we're going to pray in just a few seconds. I want you to pray that prayer with us from your heart. And when you do, God will hear your prayer. You don't have to, we're going to give you some words to speak, but I want to make sure that you just speak them out of your heart. Let those words kind of settle in your heart and then speak them right back out of your heart as you repeat what we say. And God will hear you and God will answer you and God will change your life and you will become brand new. And uh, the resurrection power of God that raised Jesus from the dead will recreate you on the inside. You will become a brand new person, forever different, forever changed, brand new start, fresh start. So I want you to make that decision. If you're, if you're seeing like this little thing come up that says like, raise your hand, just click that right now. Uh, as an act of confession that yes, that's what I want to do. Pastor Tim, I, I want to pray that prayer. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm living for Jesus. I'm giving my life to God. I have decided that I'm going to follow him and his way. And now let's pray together. Say this with me. Say, Oh God, oh God. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins. I receive his forgiveness now. And I receive him right now. Jesus, come into my heart. Thank you for coming in. I take you as my Lord. I'm going to live for you from now on. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.